with our intro but i want to just sing welcome back welcome back let's look the welcome back theme welcome back from miss connor anyway i wasn't here last time i know okay let me go back and do what i'm supposed to do before mel tells me i'm out of a job anyway no, uh, welcome to brave space live a show about anti-oppression communal healing every week we pick a hard-hitting topic and we jump right into the awkwardness which we start off that way. We just do it. We go into it. Yeah, I'm Tyshell. I'm, I'm, I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, um, a trained clinical social worker, and all of those things. And here's my co-host. Hello, I'm Mel. I'm an author, an activist, and a social ethicist. Here we are. Yeah, so back to what we were saying. You're back. She was mm -hmm. off going and, and doing things and seeing people. I don't know what, I can't remember, but she was going places and seeing people. So I, how was it? I was, <laughs> I was seeing a friend who I hadn't seen for like 10 years, had never met her wife. And um, we had like a lovely lobster dinner and it was amazing. We had the best time um, just catching up. And so that was really, really special. So I apologize. I missed it. Um, oh, no apologies. Yeah. I have Rebecca here as my stand-in white yeah, lady. <laughs> she was very happy to be that. She was like, she popped up on screen last night. I don't have a if you had a chance to look at the beginning of the episode. She popped up on screen, um, and she, I was like, you're not Mel. She's like, nope, just some <laughs> other white lady. <laughs> good, good conversation about relationships and understanding. And one of the things that I had learned, and I'm, I'm, I'm. This is the portion where I feel Mel in about what we kind of talked about last week. Um, she talked about being an ex-Mormon and dating with the ideal of dating to get married. And funny enough, I had one of my neighbors was raised Mormon and she ended up not getting married and never having children because she was always rebellious and never, ever wanted it. So she's in her 60s and like, I still don't want to get married. So just wow. Oh, she's awesome. She's really awesome. She has a, a dog named Jaja, like Jaja before. She's <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. But yeah, um, Rebecca was talking about her experience and like not wanting to date someone unless that person added more to her life than as it is because she likes her life. Yeah. Very cool. I'll have to go listen to it. That sounds wonderful. Um, I know. I know. So good. Yeah. This week, we're talking about My Culture Is Not Your Costume. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to get into this because Halloween's coming up. And listen, I love Halloween so much. You know what I'm going to be this year? What are you going to be this year? Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> in you black. Know Thank you for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're interested in I'm going to be Maleficent. Oh, Maleficent. Maleficent with the horns? Yes, with the horns. And I bought this, like, crow feather cowl. And I made this, like, cr creepy staff. And I'm going to look super evil. And I'm so excited. Uh, evil I'm slash good for you. Mal well, Maleficent is like it's like the new Maleficent. Look, I'm not upset with storyline. Exactly, and I'm not upset with any Disney character because what you really find out is that most of the people that are evil just had some horrible things happen to them, you which know? made them. Well, it's a commentary yeah. on society, but you know. Also, have you heard the commentary of like Disney villains almost always tend to embody some sort of queerness? 
I have heard that lore, and I've also, and they they also tend to be women, which is a whole other commentary in itself. Why they are most of them are women, but um, men, women or people of color. But yes, I've heard a lot of the queer origin story stuff. Even and lore if it's even if it's an unconscious bias on the part of Disney, like I know Disney like tries to be as a company like very inclusive and very like pro LGBTQ, but. Um, yeah, it's very interesting how those un unconscious bias creep into what we demonize and we consider the bad guys of society. Well, I am not going to be anything for Halloween because I do not think about what, what Halloween, like I don't, I just haven't dressed up for a very, very long time. And I think the last time I was too old to really do Halloween, but I dressed up as a baby because I just wanted free candy. And then I just tried to get my husband to buy me free candy on, under the guise that we have to give candy to children. He's <laughs> like, we... There's like one child we see around us. Who are we? And I was like, we need a bag of candy. And I would literally just probably just eat one piece a day. So no candy. Wait, okay. Let's back up to the point where you said you were too old for Halloween. What? Oh, yeah. What? So like I was, okay. I say that not too old for Halloween, There's but no too old for trick-or-treating. Oh, okay. Yeah. There is a point. Be begging people door to door for candy and tricks and treats. Yeah. When you're like but 17. I actually have never thought about, it wasn't until I worked in the college space that I ever thought that adults dressed up for Halloween because in black families, most people tend to be some sort of religious. And there's like, the, I remember uh, having a sign, having seen signs in my neighborhood that said, no Halloween, just hallelujah. Because no, was, no, no. <laughs> so like my mom just never dressed up for Halloween. So I had no idea that like, White people love dressing. And I know that people of color, I'm not just saying white people, but generally white people are like, I can't wait to figure out what I'm going to be for how, and they figure it out. Yeah. Hallelujah nights as our producer saying it's a bit, it's, it's wild to think that, but I just never thought about like adults being Halloween costumes. My favorite Halloween costumes are when people take like thought process to be something. And it's not just something like really easy. So like the one, the best Halloween costume I ever remember, and we'll really get into the topic of culture in this as well, was these people who decided to be serial killers. And they were all, diff they had a serial killer with them and they all dressed up as different um, uh, mascots from cereal boxes. And I, but, and I loved like couple costumes where they're like, but not like just literal, but something different. So I love that, like, oh, you go as a, a nightstand, you're a one nightstand, but you're like a nightstand as a side table, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's clever. Like the cleverness. Like I think it's an uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, you're. I think you you either showcase like the the skillfulness of your costume creation abilities and your ability to cosplay, or be clever and make people laugh. You know, like I think one of the best costumes I ever saw was these teenagers who dressed up like a door, and they rang people's doorbells, and then people would open the door, and there would be a door, and then people would stand there for a minute, and then the people bought like whose house it was would be like um trick or treat and they'd open the door and they'd be like happy halloween and they would give them candy so they're like hey, i love that i love it, it was cute. I, there's just so many like cool things you can be if you really think about what you are and want to be for halloween so i love i do love that concept of it i have thought so i have less halloween but dressing up as is like these new these parties that people are having all over social media and TikTok. You get to see where you have a color party and everybody dresses brings everything in that color. Or they'll be like, um, we're having a Beyonce party and you d dress up as Beyonce in different iterations and things. So I like that kind of costume party. Halloween is just one I'm just never really sure about. And and the reason that we're what we're talking about, at least in part, what we're talking about today is the reason why I'm just like, 
y'all better be careful. So yeah. yeah. So when we pulled, when we talked to our producer and they and they talked to us about this episode, I really wanted to hear like how you grew up, your thoughts about um, Halloween and costumes and and cultural appreciation, appropriation, and what that looks like. So yeah. I wanted to hear definitely from you and I'll share some stories as well. Yes. So this is a topic that I've been thinking about a lot recently for a couple of reasons. So we're talking about costumes, like that can take many forms, not just Halloween, right? Costumes in general, like taking on, donning the culture of someone else because you feel entitled to do that, or you think it's okay or, or funny, or you claim to not know better or whatever it is. And I think that can also take form in like, especially spiritual spaces. So someone who's like, you know, practices in the world of paganism, you know, and, and kind of, it, which tends to be a pretty white dominant because it, a lot of it comes from like the Celtic um, spiritual traditions, right. Which are like from Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Britain. So, and those are traditionally white places. So, but in these spaces, because of new age spirituality and the way it works, there is a lot of cultural appropriation of indigenous traditions, indigenous clothing, indigenous um, tr traditions, practices, uh, language, not literal language, but like terms for things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of it stems from, I mean, there's, so it's hard because there's a deep, and I want to get into this in a minute, but there's, I think for white people don't recognize for a lot of us, there's a deep grief and the fact that we gave up our culture in order to become white. And we have a, and I think a lot of experience an extinctual longing to have a form of culture, some things that we can do to mark occasions, to mark rituals, to mark change in our lives, uh, to mark the wonder and sacredness of the world. But what we once had has been lost to history, uh, obliterated by colonial forces or we've literally just abandoned it for the sake of becoming white and becoming capitalist so there's a huge like i think primal loss there that i think when a lot of people appropriate culture they're they're not recognizing that that grief is underneath it and they need to address that because they're going to continue causing damage white people are going to continue causing damage until they address that underlying cultural loss and cultural structure um so anyway, and I have a story to kind of go along with this. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone I grew up around, an adult I grew up around. Um, let's see, I don't, uh, how, how do I say this? So this person had set, spent some time on a native, um, some native land. On a reservation volunteering for a couple of summers. So knew the community. I can already see where it's going. I volunteered with the less fortunate in the poor. So yeah. now I'm one of them. Yeah, well, so they never claimed to be native, which is good. Right. Um, they did, however, watch in, in a, a specific type of indigenous dancing that okay. is very sacred to this tribe. I don't want to give details because I don't want to like lambast you. My point in telling this story is not to put people on blast or shame anybody, but to say like, this is how this is how damaging ignorance can be in this arena, right, for white people. Who, who even might mean well or think that they're being respectful. So this person like watched this style of dancing that the indigenous people were doing, kind of memorized it, like taught themselves how to do it, I guess. Like I don't think was given necessarily permission by the tribe to do this type of dancing because I think it's a very sacred type of dancing. And then um, was brought in, but ah, uh, oh, this is like so cringe. It's hard to say it. 
was actually like hired or brought in by Boy Scout troops to come perform this indigenous style of dancing for Boy Scout events. And actually this person wore a black wig and would give war cries as if they were indigenous. And I watched this first, I know your face, I know, I know. I watched this firsthand happening at the time. And I was like, at the time, I thought it was really cool. Oh, this person dances really well. I just like had no freaking clue about how damaging this was. And then, you know, years put went past and like, <clears throat> I asked this person why they stopped doing it. And they're, they go, oh, well, someone complained. It's just not politically correct anymore. Right. Not really acknowledging the fact of what they were doing was harmful, not really getting it, but just like, oh, someone else kept me from having the fun that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was so confusing to me because this was somebody I looked up to and I was like, but if you spend all this time with these Native people, how could you not know that that would be hurtful for you to be appropriating this and like pretending to be native or performing as if you're native? Like, And this is the thing that's really, really important, I think, for white people to understand cultural traditions like this like dancing for example are sacred they are spiritual rights for for these communities and not everybody even in that community is doing it yeah it would be like it would be like if if um like a muslim person was like he he look at me i'm doing communion look it's the body of jesus like let's just toss it around in the air and play football with it and then eat it like haha isn't that funny that would be deeply offensive right like deeply offensive so so when you're taking these traditions and you're just you're stripping them of their culture you're stripping of them of their language you're stripping them of the people that develop them and you're stripping them of their spirituality you're turning it into a really really distorted ugly thing that it never was meant to be and you're causing so much damage not only to that practice but i think i think to ourselves we cause damage when we do these things so anyways i've been talking for a while so please feel free to jump no in. i mean i think it's also like this form of low-level colonialism in that everything is open for taking mm -hmm. and that i can do it the same way you do it because and and and, and i want to make a distinction too because many tribes groups people of color invite people in to share and that's great that's what we call cultural appreciation cultural exchange but when you go because i wasn't offended or and i can't i'm not going to be offended for other another group of people but what kind of give me get, gave me cringe was not that this person was on this uh native land if mm -hmm. they were invited they were allowed to be there Right. Not that they were engaging. I, I, I'm very aware about like cultural tourism where people volunteer with groups of less needy. I, I, I have a lot. We have to have a whole conversation about that. So I'm wary of that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that that it was it was not that they you saw this dance and you learned it. They might you can go to cultural traditions and cultural events and they will want you to dance with them. They want to show you they want to be engaging. And that's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But really, I think where what crossed the line, just, you know, just step my foot over the fucking line is being um, paid by other groups of people yeah. to do that same dance. I think yes. that is where the line, this is where, and, and we talked about this earlier as we were preparing for this episode, really thinking about what's the line of appreciation versus appropriation. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can appreciate one. I mean, we have to we'll go back into it a little bit deeper, but that's the appropriation. You are now becoming the group who is getting paid for, who is because what if that cultural practice and we talked about this um, in our museum episode, you can't just return it back to this group. What if that group of people 
would never do that dance for money. Right, exactly. And oh my gosh, yeah. And it's here's the interest here's a really interesting thing that I hope like especially white listeners take away from this. And the story that I told with the dancing and everything, I know this person who did this and he thought that he he deeply thought that he was dancing in a way that was respectful because he learned all the steps and he thought that that was his way of like participating in that culture. However, if you are not commissioned, like A, are you staying in relationship with the culture that you're using this practice? Are you, are you in relationship with it? Have you been commissioned by this community of people? Like, for example, I have a friend who, um, a pagan friend who, um, when I first met her, she was like talking about a lot of native stuff. And I was like, oh no, this is going to be a mess. But I've since learned that she has such deep ties to uh, a native tribe that she's been formally adopted through a ceremony as a relative of native people. They call her, she calls them aunt and uncle and they call her kin. Like it is like, it's like a, a bonded ceremony that, that this particular tribe considers closer than blood kin. And she has been effectively adopted into this tribe. So she's, she's white. She's like as white as I am, but she has a, a deep and ongoing relationship with this community. And she does her best to respect what are practices that she's been invited into and what she's not invited into. There are certain things that she's not invited into and she respects those boundaries. So I think the, the, the terms here that I wanna make sure to touch on are open practices versus closed practices. What are open practices? Like you said, practices that anybody is welcome to come participate in with certain boundaries, right? Versus closed practices that like, you can't go in there. I'm sorry, white people. I know you really wanna go in there. I know your curiosity is just burning inside you to go in there and like see what they're doing, but you're not allowed to go in there. But, but also, also in that too, that I was thinking about, not just you can't be a part of it. We show you, you should not. Me showing you doesn't mean you now go back. That's like, okay, I go to an an, uh, an Indian wedding. India, and I'm talking India, Indian, yeah. right? I wanna make that distinction because when, when I'm talking about people who we call Indian here, I would say Native or First Nations or something like that. So I want to make that distinction for folks. But I went to an Indian wedding. I was invited to wear a sari. I'm wearing the sari. That's like now me being like, I went to this Indian wedding. All of the people were open to that. It was great. And um, now I make saris. Like, yeah, and I sell, I sell them for and money economically when and taking that money away from another indigenous. But I'm earth. purchasing my materials from Indian people, but I now have I'm now making money. Like, and I think about that. But one one of the things I also wanted to say to that is not everything that Native or white or any well any cultural group is doing is for money, and I want white people people of color, people who are not of any group that they're any of these groups, any group, right? Because we'll talk about, you know, Cinco de Mayo and black people dressing up in sombreros as well, but not every cultural practice is for money. And that is very um, ca a capitalistic way that we engage in that everything should be commodified. Yeah. And it's not, it's like, um, and this is a very small thing, but it comes, it always, it always rings in my mind when I, and I said to my husband, as we were walking, like, I try to try to keep my judgment, my own judgments in balance. And I saw um, someone in my neighborhood with a dream catcher in their window. And I was like, well, maybe they got it from a native. Maybe they bought it from native people. Maybe, maybe it's a native thing that was given. He was like, but they wouldn't hang it in their window of their dashboard. That's not how that works. And I was like, 
also true. Oh, and then the also not, yes, in the car. Yeah. Another mm-hmm. thing that happens that people, because it's a dream catcher, like, are you sleeping while you're like, no, you, you know, better like, not be. Yeah. Right. But one of the other things I want to think about too is how we engage with what is there. And when it's shared with us, do we, should we now profit from it? Should we engage yeah. in that way? And also uh, the, the other thing I wanted to, before I lose my train of thought, wanted to say too, is that we also cannot make it seem as if, and this happens in America specifically, because when you come here, you have to represent the entire group of people. So when we think about Latinx or Latin, Latin, Latin people, we think of them as one group, but there's distinct cultures inside of them. So like being from Colombia and being from Guatemala is not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Native tribe is not, it's not like one giant tribe. They yeah. have different and distinct practices mm-hmm. and a rain dance from one tribe is not the same in a different, like they're not the same. Yeah. So you can't be like, you can't just dr- like, especially dressing up on Halloween in that one headdress is like, but do you even know what tribe that's from? Do you even know names of tribes? That kind of thing. And also like feathers in many indigenous tribes. And I don't know a ton about this. So please, you know, correct me if you know more about this or anyone who's listening. Feathers in many native tribes are not only sacred, but they have to be earned. So it's like, it's, it's not only offensive in this particular context. It's a really good example of like, of like a, a feather headdress, for example, not you're not just taking and trying to appropriate from that culture which is already disrespectful for to toward people who've been through a lot and experienced so much discrimination and and turmoil and trauma but you are taking something that's a symbol of sacredness and leadership and earning like like i i believe in many cultures like only the war chief wears a headdress that big and you are presuming to be as important as somebody who has earned that and done so much in their community to earn that trust and earn that leadership. So yeah, the economics, especially of it are really important. Like who's making money from that. And, and I want to say this, like, I fully believe that supporting indigenous artists is a form of reparations in the best possible way. Like a lot of indigenous people, especially living on on reservations, like they have very limited uh, employment opportunities. And a lot of them support themselves through making jewelry and making um, dream catchers and things like that, making bags. And it is, wonderful to support those artists and buy those things. If you like the way dream characters look great, go buy one from an indigenous community, but make sure make sure to ask that community and learn about the proper use, the respectful use of those things. So you don't tarnish their, their gift of, you know, artistry in the world and their, their traditions. And, And, and I think it's really important to understand, like, what's your relationship? Are you actually trying to get to know this community? If that's possible, sometimes communities don't really want to be that open to white people because they've been burned so many times or, or anybody who's not in that community, not just white people, but they've been burned so many times trying to build those bridges. Like you said, Taishal, that, um, they, it, that is almost like re-traumatizing to get to know, you know, people yeah, there's outside the outside of, in, I think all of the coast, and and I don't I'm not I'm gonna get some of these this wrong, but they are they don't want to be contacted by the outside world because what happened is the two I think a grandparent grandparent and a child were like taken aboard a, a ship and and not seen for like months or weeks or something like that 
and that was really hard for them. Like the, the their um, family bonds were broken. And when they came back to learn the story, they said, okay, we're not going to um, engage with outsiders. So you can't actually go to this island. You could be arrested. I believe it's off the coast of India. You could be arrested. And people, this, this um, missionary uh, bribed a fisherman to, to take him there. And it didn't go once. He went two or three times and he was writing a journal about like he was writing and he wanted to bring, he wanted to proselytize to them. So the first day they didn't want to harm him. They shot like arrows at his feet and they have like, people have shot things at them. They have, you know, um, people don't, and people also, people want to go to study them because they don't know a lot about them, but that's literally the opposite of the point. They're trying to make themselves a little insular because they don't trust the outside world and they get along or whatever. And this guy, he went, you can look up the story. I think his name is John Chow, I believe. And he went one day, he's keeping a journal about what happened in it. He even wrote in his journal, if I like, if you find my journal and I'm not alive, this is what I was doing. But hmm. the, they he went back and they did kill him. Um, wow. And, but be, he he went there illegally. He did, They didn't want to like harm him, but they knew that his presence was <clears throat> harmful to them. And that was yeah. that. Like, we can't be a part of everything. We don't need to know everything. We can't investigate and engage. We can't take from their, like, you, can, you we are not allowed to take from everybody's culture the way yeah. you see that and this is like a, a i remember that story that was in the last like 10 years right that was more uh, recent yeah. it was and 2008 or 2000 i think it was 2008 here's the like added that. complexity of that story is that that tribe understood that they had been insular for so long that they didn't have immunity to a lot of diseases that people from outside the island so literally the presence of one outsider could cause massive death to many of the people on the island because they couldn't they could they like a common cold or the common flu like they they didn't have natural immunity which is which is also how the uh, indigenous people of our our country you know were were basically unalive turtle island i will say turtle island thank you turtle island yeah so so i think yeah it goes back to this question of like do we are we entitled to know everything and participate in everything and to be up in everybody's business all the time or are there certain spaces if someone sets a boundary we need to say, in some cases, like, yeah, I will respect that boundary. I'm not entitled to to and roll I mean, in. And I, I think about this so much when it comes to when it comes to costuming, right? Um, and I wanted to share a story with you, and I'll, I'll bring it to a little bit to Halloween because I know we'll talk a, a little bit about Halloween and just uh, cultural appropriation in general. Is that I was working on a college campus, and there was a a, a young girl who, um, a college student who. Uh, she was Latinx, like that was her half, her, her background was white and, and Puerto Rican. And for Halloween, she dressed up as a native person, wore, wore a headdress. I didn't even say she dressed up as a, a native person, because like, honestly, she just had on a headdress. And she said, and I and I was had to, as the director at that point, I had to go and talk to her um, as well. And she was like, well, it's part of my culture because I'm Puerto Rican and I'm Taino, like that's part of my culture. And I wanted to, and I look, and I did say to her because, and I don't know if I was supposed to, but I did say to her, I feel like if you were really engaging with that, you would know that that's actually not okay because dressing up on Halloween as a native person, when you don't present that anywhere else in the year is a problem. And she had her boyfriend dressed up like a cowboy. No, 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 no. Cowboys Indians like I was like oh no so having that conversation with people understanding (sighs) that like Halloween is not the time for you to discover cultural (laughs) inferences 
Halloween yeah. night. Wear it, drink. wear it to a ceremony, like wear it to a cultural event. That's you know, like I don't. Is that you're invited to? Or like maybe you you go to powwow or whatever. Like I think there's indigenous people from all over the world that go to powwow. Um, But like, but, but also like, I don't know if this person possibly realized that, that her doing this, her and her boyfriend doing this could like cause pain to somebody else for whom that imagery like has hurt their family, you know? And like, like, why would you want to dress in something in Halloween that you know could potentially cause someone pain and, and harm? Like, I don't, I just don't understand. The problem with the twist of that story is that she came, I had to talk to her because she came to me because somebody said, somebody posted the culture is not my costume, um, a, a picture, like mm-hmm. a, a paper with a, with that saying, cause we posted them around the building. Yeah. Um, some, somebody put it on her door and she was like, yeah. somebody is targeting me because I'm Latin. And I had to have a conversation with her and I was like, how do I have this and like really engage with, and I don't know if she'll yeah. have it. She, she learned at that because she was also what we deem as white passing and she engaged herself in and i'm not saying that she also white passing is can can be problematic in that looking a certain way (laughs) with ethnic features becomes white but yeah cowboys and indians on halloween is not you celebrating your culture like see and and i think that's come those words from you would come hit differently than words from a white person like me like because you're a person of color like i i feel like you have a little bit more freedom to say things like that whereas i i don't think i would be able to broach that subject but i mean i would have a very difficult I mean, time with that conversation because she is half white she's part white yeah. and having those conversations is different sometimes people look at me and i'm having these conversations and they're just saying things like Oh, well, of course, you're, of course you're going to say that because you're black. Like, of course you're going to, you just always want everybody to feel bad about themselves. And I'm like, I would really rather you not feel bad about yourself by you taking responsibility um, for who and what, who you are and what you're doing. And I, mm-hmm. and I say that too, when we talk about um, whiteness and white people and having this conversation, people of color, you are not exempt. There are, uh, I've seen, I've gone, uh, I've been to a bar on Cinco de Mayo, which is a really strange holiday. Everybody thinks that anything is somebody's Independence Day. They're like, yeah, this is Jewish Christmas, is Hanukkah and Mexican Independence Day. And we're like, no, that's not it. But people dressed up in sombreros and, and, and that's not how these work. These, these holidays, these whatever, who's celebrating them, who is like, not all Latinx people celebrate Cinco de Mayo. There's, you know, certain cultures that do a lot do not. So when we're really thinking about this, we're none of us can, are exempt, but we still have to understand what it is. And I especially think when it comes to this, the conversation I hear more white people say, well, how do we know what's appreciation? How do we know it's appreciation? I feel like if you have to ask, because the thing about appreciation is I can appreciate a lot of things from afar, but even in our museum episode, as we learned, mm-hmm. what does that mean to just appreciate and, and and walk around being like, oh, I love this, but what are we doing with it? How are we engaging with it? What are we learning about it, right? Because appreciation for anything takes some knowledge and some yeah. learning and some engagement and appropriation is this thought process that I can, I learned about this and I can own it. Yeah, I learned about this and profit from it. Yeah, one one is one is about ownership and like domination and control, and the other one is about relationship and 
wonder and recognizing someone's dignity. Like it's when you're really in relationships with someone, you're going to ask them like, Hey, how, how should I, how should I relate to you? How can I, how what can does this I, mean to you? What does this mean to you? What's the significance of it? How how can people who are not part of your culture engage respectfully? How can I show you respect so that we can have a good relationship, right? So we can have a healthy I wanna, I wanna relationship. Share this in this way. So I do. Um, I I created a workshop on psychological safety, and I facilitate that workshop pretty often. And we talk about this whole thing about appreciation and conversation. And one of the things that we say that can help build psychological safety is engage with curiosity. Yeah. But I want to make the distinction that engage with curiosity does not mean go berate a person with questions to be your Google. Yeah. And and so even some of the questions that you just asked, Mel, if you know a person, you don't have to ask because they've now shared with you why some of the things that they are important. And it feels less invasive if you know a person to ask them. Could you imagine me walking up to you and be like, so they as a pronoun, like, what does that mean? What's your journey about that? How'd you come to that? I don't understand it. And like, but knowing you, I didn't have to really have a deep conversation and asking because as I got to know you, a lot of our conversations inform pronouns and things like that, because we can have conversation yeah. and that's what it really means. And this is another thing I say to people about allyship. Allyship sounds like friendship. So people love it, especially white people that eat it up. They're like, I'm an ally. I'm an ally. Like this now, it's now their identity. I'm the, I, I identify as an ally. I'm like, no, that's also like ally getting their own flag. Nah, I'm not, I'm, I don't love it so much. <laughs> that's but, a thing. What? Yeah, there's an ally flag. Like, no. we, Cause we had to have our own flag for it. Like, okay. Wait, what? But, for allyship, and I tell people, people like to start with allyship because it feels like a feel-good rom-com wrapped up at the end of 30 minutes. It just, oh, I love this. It's a, no, it's a, I say rom-com. It's like a sitcom where everybody hugs at the end of the show and the problem is over and the next episode is about them going to Disney World, you know, whatever. But yeah. that's what allyship a lot of people feels you, like. You get to be in, like, allyship, like, in a performative way. Like, you get to be in proximity to the positive work of social justice without actually being in a relationship, without actually doing the deep work, without actually, you're still othering people. You're still othering people. Right. You're still treating people like a commodity that you just get to consume and then walk away. Like, you don't actually, you're not actually in the, in one of our, one of our uh, listeners, it's a participation trophy. Oh, it, oh. Oh, we love trophies. Anybody who's a who even engages with 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 any group that's marginalized in any way, yeah. we're like, um, but do I get a do I get a gold star for being here? The word you use is cookie. I've heard you say that in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. That's a, that's a, culturally, that's a thing that we say. You'd be like, you'd be like, oh, I did this good thing. You're like, what you want a fucking cookie? Like, that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. But yeah. it's like, so this process of this appreciation and appropriation thing is that you have to be patted on the back for something or you get something in allyship and the way that comes up often is that people say they're an ally they 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 wear a badge that's the thing but like i, I always tell people allyship is six steps in yeah like that means i'm engaging with this community i'm yeah. a part I, and i understand this community this community this community holds me accountable mm -hmm. and and responsible for the things i say and i'm not and i don't run away like a, a puppy with my tail between my legs every time somebody corrects me or engages me with feedback right i, so I work I'll in trust i educate myself but yeah here's a here's an example too like you use the question about so first of all if you ask me about the they pronoun I she drank a seltzer. Excuse me. I just, I just burped. I apologize. So awkward. Glad I didn't I put you on a really like heavy emotional moment. Um, I'm so emotional. Um, 
if you asked me that, I would actually love to answer those questions. Like, I would love to talk to you about that. But two reasons. A, I already know you care about me because we have a relationship. We have a friendship. So it's in the context of that deeper relationship. And I say relationship a lot because I don't think a lot of white people really understand relationships and friendships and what it really means. And we've talked about this on this show. Our very first episode, right, was like friendships between black and white women and what it means to actually be in relationship with people. Um, but the other thing is like, for me personally, the pronoun issue doesn't have a lot of pain or baggage or trauma as much as it does for other people. I'm not a trans person. I don't identify as trans. I haven't been, you know, necessarily persecuted for this. There, there haven't been really any consequences for me changing my pronouns. If there had been, I might feel differently about it. But it's like, so the difference is like, what if I walked up to you, Tyshul, and was like, hey, your hair is different. Like, how do you do your hair? Where do you go? How long does it take? How much does it cost? What's the history of your hair? Like, why don't you educate me on every single thing about your hair? And like, I could Google that. And like, like you said, I could turn you into human Google. And that wouldn't be respectful because I'm like literally taking your precious time on this earth to explain things to me that I could just go YouTube and teach myself. I could learn anything I wanted to learn about right. my hair. And then you, and if we, again, if we had a relationship and you asked me, oh, how long does that take? I wouldn't be offended. But I actually had a conversation with somebody recently and they were like, you know, there people live with this assumed positive intent. I was like, but that just puts so much emotional labor on the marginalized folks to like always be like, take a hit and, and be like, I'm going to teach you now. It's like, that's not the job of people to do when these things are out there because there's lots of work to get into and do. And when we're thinking about this, I just, when I'm going back to appropriation and appreciation, it's just like, what does appreciation actually mean to you, right? Ask the question of yourself before you ask it of someone else, because usually it's used as a defense. Well, like, what are we, how can we culturally exchange? Also, people, white people, what y'all giving up? Like, what is the culture that you're sharing with us for us to share with you all? Because we out here, like, come on, learn. And then, and then you know, we are very well, I'm going to speak for me. I'm going to speak for Black people for a second, but not all, because I know we're not all the same. But we out here, like, come be a part of my culture. Come learn about it. Like, every hood had, and I, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in an inner city, as they say, um, has a white guy who lives there, who is a part of the culture, who now we may tell him he can't say the N-word, but back in the 90s, it was fine. My, the one in my neighborhood was White Mike. Like, that was him. But if he went out to his white friends that had, if he went out to white people he knew, and I didn't know any of them, would it be appropriate for him to act in the way that he does? But we, we, you know, and, and Martin Luther King famously said that, I feel like I've integrated my people into a burning house. And we're such a welcome, most of us are such a welcome, he said that was in his letters from a Birmingham jail. Most of, most of us are such welcoming people that we want to exchange. We want to, but that does not mean you get to hold on and take. There was a comedian recently. I follow him. Um, I follow a couple of comedy pages. And this this guy talked about being a white people appropriating native land. He was like, we went to the native people and like, whose land is this? And they were like, what you, whose land? It's, it's the land we all live and, and care for it and care for it. He's like, it's, so it's nobody's. He's like, so there's no, it's nobody's land. He's like, no, it's nobody's land. Oh, it's nobody's land. No, it's How about nice. we just say it's white people's land? Yeah. And he's like, we, we you know that yeah. we invented, let's say we invented credit and all we, but he's white. And saying that is like uh, white people invented credit. So we have to really think about how we engage with things and what we take from it. Because yeah. you can't live in a, you sh we should not live in a, a, a realm of take, take, take. 
-hmm. and use in other ways. Because if you went back to that culture and said, hey, I opened up my own sorry store, literally half of Shark Tank is people going to a different country, learning how to do something and bringing it back as their own. Like, like literally all like, it. Like, yeah. I'm talking like Belgian waffles. Like people are like, oh yeah, we went to this country. We learned how to make these waffles. So we opened up a store. I went to this country and they taught me how to bead. So I opened up a a, be a beading manufacturer. And now those people are buying their beads from me. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Everything is not to be, not to be commodified and consumeristic. Yes. Yeah. And also like, it's not about you. Like, okay. So going back to the hair example for you, like, so when sometimes when you change your hair, I go, wow, that looks really nice. I love your hair, right? But I need to remember that you're not doing your hair for me. Like you're doing your hair because you like it. And even if I didn't like it, that wouldn't matter because it's your hair and you're doing it the way you like. Listen, I don't even That's care if my husband doesn't like my hair. <laughs> like we marry. But I will say too, in that yeah, yeah it's nothing good. Like, sorry, sorry, just to no finish good. this. So sorry to interrupt, but like the pro the proximity to whiteness, like it sometimes white people don't need to be involved. It doesn't need to be in relation to white people. Things need to be allowed to be on their own without always constantly being in relation to whiteness and how, how there's proximity to whiteness, right? Like that's, that would be so frustrating if you constantly, I mean, as a woman, I understand that like always have to be in proximity to maleness and a male dominant society. Like I always have to think about how I relate to the norm. So that was my thought. If we're sitting <laughs> when we when we're yeah. centering things like that and i think about this and this is when we when we really talk about relationship and and not a fine relationship can't be this finite thing it can't be that i went to this reservation i went to this country and i was there for six months and now i know all there is to know because that country that native land may have evolved and changed from the time that you went there and you don't even know what's going on there now if you're not in a constant relationship and eduardo bonilla silva and i'll get back to the hair example in a second but eduardo bonilla silva in his book racism without races talks about how white people will talk about their relationships with people of color as like that's my best friend but it'll be like the person that they used to work with 10 years ago and haven't talked to <laughs> since that time yeah and like they would be dumbfounded it'd be like so yeah i my college roommate was black and she taught me all these things he taught me all these things they taught me all these things i remember to now when i say he and she i remember to also add a they because trying to be and wanting to be more expansive in that not yeah, a, i don't yeah. need a cook <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> um because people always say he or she and i'm like he she or they but um when we're thinking about what that is like just this this thought now i lost my train of thought in the oh in his book they these finite relationships where None of those people exist in their world, in their life anymore at all. Yeah. They're still using that as a proximity. And this is why, and I will tell you, so let me go back to the hair story and then let me put this off on the side, is that because of when we talk about relationships and the relationship that we have, Mel would know and does know that as I get my hair done, I'm thinking three hairstyles from now. I'm not just thinking about, I'm thinking, all right, when I take these braids out, I'm going to do this. And the next thing I'm going to do is that. So I'm planning three hairstyles ahead anyway. So you're going to know when you come and see me like, oh, yeah, my next hairstyle, I'm going to do crochet or whatever. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, Tashelle, you said you were going to do crochet. I like the way that looks on you, right? 
So that that thought process. So back to this. That's appreciation. Like I'm allowed to say I'm allowed to appreciate the way you look and the things that you do and celebrate you for who you are because you're amazing. There a little bit. Not allowed. Invited. Thank you. Yeah. Not like a thank you. No, so but that's, a great, that's a great because I can't grant you, and I also can't grant you the access to now go ask every other black girl you meet about her hair. Because here's right. the thing: when you do that, you'd be like, I literally had a supervisor at a job say to me, and I might have told this story before already, but she she at a job, and it was my first week on this job, first week, and she came up to me and said, "Oh, can I touch your hair?" And she thought she one she oh, thought no. she yeah she one she thought she was great for having asked without doing it. She was like, I asked, right? But she said, oh, can I touch your hair? And I said, no, because it was like my knee jerk reaction to be like, no. And she's my boss. Actually, she's my boss's boss. I was like, no. And she was like, well, Gloria, sorry, Gloria, hopefully you're listening to this. She goes, "Um, well, Gloria lets me touch her hair. And my response was, well, you should touch Gloria's hair. But like, honestly, the fact that you had to do that, like that must have taken so much courage because like, you don't know if that's going to impact your job, your employment. Like you, you have, this is not the first time a person at my job touched my hair, asked to touch my hair. I told the story earlier today when I was facilitating and that people every year, people, I get asked, I get touched somehow. And they were like, is it like when a woman touch, when someone touches a pregnant woman's belly? I said, yes, but also black women can be pregnant. So like that happens to us and this. Right. So but part of that in being that that from that story that I wanted to pull out was if Gloria lets you touch her hair, which I cannot tell Gloria she shouldn't. The one thing I would tell Gloria is when you let white people touch your hair, when you let Asian people touch your hair, when you let anybody who's not us, t- when you let anybody touch your hair, let them know when they walk away from you that not everybody's going to be OK with that. Right. Yeah. Not everybody's going to love that, right? But if my thing for for that leader, and I would hope that she's listening because we are friends on Facebook, um, is that, and it's been, oh, seven, eight years, seven years since that happened. If Gloria lets you touch her hair, why do you need to touch mine? It's, I've, it's so weird. It's so weird to ask people to touch people's hair. Because here's the thing. If Gloria lets you touch her hair, why do you then need to touch mine too? It's somebody weird. already let you do it. So, yeah. and I can't tell Gloria that she can't let people do it, but think about the why. People don't spend enough time on why do I want to do this? Why do I want to know this? What does that even mean? And why do I need to? Why do I have a compulsion? You know, and I think this goes back to like whiteness needs to exert itself over everything and everyone around it. Well, that's because uh, that's what whiteness is. And when we say whiteness, we've said this to you all before. We're not talking about white people. We're talking about white culture and what I mean. White culture literally is built on the on racism, right? And I, I would say if you are listening to this, hopefully you've listened to other episodes. If not, they are archived in so many different places. Um, but when we now I'm belching. When you think about that, like why do you need to go and touch people's hair? And one of the things yeah. that I'm very intentional about, and I said this to my husband recently, is that I know somewhere somebody is saying Tashel is my black friend. Or they're saying they have a black friend and they're thinking about me and my how I work in that thought process. And I know this is not what I'm telling other people of color to do, but I am a DEI practitioner is I know that when you leave me as a person, you're going to know that it's not okay to do that. You're going to know that you shouldn't. Hey, if if, if Mel, if you ask me, could you touch my hair? And I oblige that I'm going to let you know. Yeah. Not everybody's going to respond to you that way. 
you know, you can't you say and I, I'm, that's because that's what I'm, my job is. But there are but I also can't control that because I had a, I had a meeting with a lady at work one day. We had two meetings together, two. And she said, well, Tashelle, you know, we're friends. And I was like, we had two meetings. Yeah. How are we friends? Like that yeah. term is used so loosely. And like, is, I, yeah. I'm reevaluating friendships day in and day out. And I'm talking about the ones I've had for 10, 20, 30 years. Do they serve me? Are we close enough? Do we engage with each other? Each other? Are we in a relationship? Do we have psychological safety between us in that relationship? So, so. okay. So this is like putting a kind of a new thought in my head. What if we could define whiteness in a sense of like, and I don't, sorry, I keep coming back to whiteness, but it's like, I think most of the people who are doing stuff like wearing culture as costumes are white people doing this. I think so. It's like, uh, it's bizarre. It's probably with a chance of meatballs. Like it's, it's a yeah, little, yeah. not all, not all. And there are cultural appropriation. Yeah. I think, okay. So let's say it this way. I think people who are prone or likely to cultural appropriate, like maybe there's a sense in which they're just wearing costume after costume, like putting on the costume of friendship, putting on the costume of like trying to be fair and equitable, putting in the costume of, but like, if you're trying to live authentically in a, in a, in a vulnerable, real human connection way, you're going to try to exercise empathy that connects you with people around you. Right. So like, I might not know that, for example, hair for black women is a, is often, not always, but often a very sensitive topic. But but the fact that, how, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm starting to grapple for words, which I think is like a good sign well, that you're learning and growing. But. Maybe I can aid you here. Is that yeah, please. after I share with you that, after you learn it, what are you doing with that information? Right. It more because it's give it's giving I'm cosplaying an ally. Yes, it's yes. Stop cosplaying stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly the where I was trying to go with this. Like, it's like I think for a lot of white folks, like or or anybody who does this stuff, like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know hair was a sensitive subject. I didn't know this dance was a sensitive subject. I didn't know Let that going on a reservation without being invited was a sensitive. I just didn't know, and I didn't also, take the time to because I hadn't had to think about it. I'm not going to shift your language. I'm going to add to your language reservation and native, just native land as well. Native land. Right? Yeah. Because reservations, some are reservations, some is just sacred native land. Yeah. Um, in that, I'm just adding to that for you and for our other listeners and viewers. Yeah. My other thought process about that is, is that it infuriates the fuck out of people of color and marginalized groups when people are just constantly and more often white, not all, are constantly surprised. Resma Minikim said in, in a talk of his, I don't keep around friends who are constantly surprised that oppression happens. Yeah. That's so frustrating for us. Oh my God, I had no idea. Where have you been? Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to know the ins and outs. So maybe you didn't think about black hair. That's okay. But think, but there's legislation. And it's the same thing as the privilege of not knowing is such a wonder, wondrous, mystical. And sometimes we just wish we could not know as well. I wish mm. I didn't know about the Crown Act. I wish I didn't have to think about it. But like, I'm not saying you should know everything, but I cannot be around a person who's constantly mystified and surprised that oppression is a thing in 2022. Like, okay, 
what were you doing for the last 200 years or whatever, however long you've actually been in 30 years, 40 years. I just, I just, that kind of, it is just, I, it, it, that fanciful nature of just not being oblivious is a privilege. Yeah, it is it absolutely is, a privilege. And, and all of us have La La Land. Right? Yeah. First time somebody said to me that we don't really actually have married, marriage equality in this country, I was like, what do you mean? They were like, when you are a disabled person and you get married, your benefits get taken away. That's not marriage equality. And I was yeah. like, damn, that's like, and that information changes you. Like you have to interact in the world differently if you really take that seriously and like actually allow yourself to be ed educated and moved by that, moved by it. That, that's the thing. That's the thing. I will tell you, I went to a movie. I went to go see Moonlight in theaters years ago when it came out. And we came out of the theater. It was me, my husband, uh, our producer, Ben, and his friend. No, my, my husband, my husband's friend, me and Ben. And I was so frustrated by that movie. And people, people, I still, I will still tell you, I'm not a fan of the movie and not because I don't think that it was a good, it was, it, it's because I think that it became poverty porn and like homophobia, not, not homophobia porn, not like uh, gay porn, but it became like this thing where people go, oh, I was so moved. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're fine. You're, I thought it was my dog. I heard it in my ear. No, you're fine. Oh, it, so beca sorry, it becomes this thing where people feel um, <laughs> where people feel, they say they feel moved. And then my next question is moved to do what? I felt the same way after I saw Lion, the movie um, about the Indian person who was trying to find his family in Calcutta. Um, I believe it was Calcutta with Nicole Kidman, which is another white saver movie. But how do you, what are you moved to do? What are you moved to, what has changed in you? How are you going to engage differently? What does that actually look like? So I really want to think about that for folks who say that they're moved by something. How is it going to change you for a period of time? And how, I will tell you, I took a class in, and I was saying, actually shared this story with somebody just the other day. I took a class um, in undergrad and the, the, the professor said to me, it was a white woman. The professor said to me, uh, said to our class, it was seven weeks and it was um, it was a seven week summer class. And she said this, this uh, I'm losing my train of thought. She said, this class is going to change the way you look at life. So I'm in this seven week summer class and my teacher, who's a white woman says this class is going to change the way you look at life. I'm like, you're talking big shit for a seven week class in any summer. Class. But then she talked about, we read, narratives and we read all of these things and I say I was moved and I was changed and and I can still vividly remember things about that class that I took because it changed me as a person fundamentally right. it helped me grow as a person fundamentally I learned that you shouldn't be called we shouldn't call people of color black people in this instance uh, slaves that we should be calling them enslaved because enslavement is a condition Whereas slave is a title to who they are, is personifying them. So I think about that all of the time and how I engage. So if you're saying that you're moved by something, what are you moved to do? And how what are, are you moved? moved to change your relationship to this community? So yeah, so think about what that looks like. Um, but we do want to, as we are winding down here, talk a little bit about um, Halloween. Yeah. This is our essay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go first. No, go for it. So go ahead. 
this is our PSA to say you can be your favorite character. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make up to make them yourself look like them. You can be um, Viola Davis in The Woman King, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to say you can or can't, whatever. But you can be, but don't put on blackface. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't change your skin tone or your skin color. Period. Right. Just don't do that. White people don't put on white face. That doesn't happen. It happens. <laughs> if you don't know why, look up the history of minstrel shows. Listen, we, we'll have to do we a whole episode it. of this. I've heard we somebody did an episode said, on. We did. Yeah, we did talk. I know we talked about it because everybody because I remember I remember having this. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, blanking on time. That's people said right. that uh, um, Mickey Mouse is a minstrel character, and I'm like, oh, oh no, but that's a whole. <laughs> so we have the, that whole history, but yeah. in general, um, you don't have to change your the color of your skin to be a Halloween character. Yeah, and yeah. also, why? What about that Halloween character is fun for you? The thing about Halloween is supposed to be this fanciful thing. Yeah. Right. So being a geisha, being a native person yeah, is not a fanciful thing. And if it's fanciful for you and these are real people, why? Right. So I really want people to investigate that. Be creative with your costuming, but you do not need to dress up as a real person unless you're going as your mom, which is always funny, whatever. Um, make fun of your own groups of people. We love comedy for that reason. Make fun of people that you that are in your culture, if that's what you're going to do. But I, I would say stay away from being people because especially being cultures that you have, you have and know nothing about. I think that's yeah. really, really important. That's my PSA every year on October 30, no, that's 31st, November 1st, somebody says they had no idea that they shouldn't do it every not, year. And if you're not sure, go find a person representative that, of that culture and maybe check with them. And if you feel weird about asking that question, you probably shouldn't do it. Just save yourself the trouble, be something else. Be, Google, be should I, should Google. I dress up as Reddit? Yeah, like, get on TikTok, get on Reddit. Yeah, they'll tell you. And if like if when in doubt, do something else. Be creative and be clever in a different way. Like you, you, there are so many options. Be a door, hand out candy. Like do you know? First of all, that's a genius costume for the I people. Know. If I was there, I think what I would love, and you when you as soon as you said, it, I was like, oh my god, being a door, and then you knock on somebody's door, and then you leave your door closed, and you open your door and yell at somebody and be like, why are you at my door? It would be so fun. <laughs> That's great, right? That's clever. And, we, we like, wanna, and I want to say that because it doesn't need to be this somber thought process. And I know that we yeah. talked a lot and we got a little bit heavy. It was a little bit less like fanciful and fun, but like Halloween Sorry. can be that. And no, no, no. But what I'm saying, but it doesn't have to be this like dreadful thing. You can do it. You can engage in it. I'm not, you're not going to get any candy from my house because my husband wouldn't let me buy any, but also, so, okay. Mel, I want to hear what you have to say because I really want to talk about, um, in the next couple of minutes, this movie that I've watched for Halloween and share a little bit about it with a, talking about spoilers, just I'll make, I'll say that, okay. but go ahead. I want to hear from okay. you. Yeah. So my wrap up thought is this, um, going back to, so just to kind of put an end cap on the, that conversation around like in, appropriating indigenous stuff. Cause I, I feel like that's, that's the stuff that's some of the most egregious appropriation that I see. There's all kinds of appropriation. There's, there's, you know, digital blackface and, and speaking in AAVE and there, there's, 
wearing sombrero, sombreros, pretending to be geishas, like pick your, pick your poison. It's out there. But I, I think the indigenous stuff has just been really, really on my mind lately. Um, because I recently went to my first powwow and just so everyone knows, a lot of people don't know this, they're open to the public. However, there are often, uh, I, I wouldn't say often, always very strict codes of etiquette. And if you go on the website for these events, they'll give you a whole list of things that you should do and not do. They'll tell you before you get there. Like if you're white, if you're not native, please don't dance. Please don't wear certain things. Please sit here. Please stand when you're asked to stand. Please be modest. A lot of them like wear, you know, put, put a covering over your shoulders. Don't show up, you know, in showing all the skin. So there, it is kind of amazing. Like if you actually like take the time to look for instructions on how to appreciate instead of appropriate, there are literally instructions for this written. But make sure it comes from that group of people sure and not your friend just telling you. Exactly. But like if you do a little bit of Googling, so like I was able to go, I was invited as a member of the public to go to a powwow and watch people dance, you know, and do spiritual dancing and 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 be there and be present respectfully. So enriching. It was amazing. It was beautiful. But you don't have I, to take anything. It's just so enriching. And I didn't have to pretend to participate. I was invited there as a guest, right? Like that's, that I'm not, I'm invited in, but I'm not in, in. I'm recognizing that I'm on the outskirts, but I still was able to appreciate this from a cultural perspective and see how beautiful it was. And this is a really cool thing. When they started the the grand entry, um, there were, this is like a kind of a little bit of a woo-woo moment, but I was blown away by this. When they started the grand entry, there were three hawks that arose out from the horizon and like flew straight over the circle where they were dancing, just soaring. Like it was beautiful. It was like someone had summoned them. I mean, it was like, I was looking around going, wow, this is an amazing experience, you know, but being really careful to understand that like, this is not my culture. I'm here as a guest and I, I must show respect or I need to escort myself out if I can't be respectful in this. So that you made me think of two, you gave me two images and I said this to someone and I, and I make sure I try to make sure I remember to say this about to two people. I tell, I tell stories to kind of illustrate points so people can really find themselves in it. I'm a storyteller. That's, that's my, of, <laughs> that's my brand of therapy, um, motivational interviewing and storytelling and native story, narrative storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may, when you were talking about this experience that you had, it made me think of two things. I've gone to Catholic, I'm not Catholic, but I've gone to Catholic churches. Could you imagine if I went to a Catholic church and was like, this standing up and sitting down is too much. I'm actually not going to do it. I'm not going to follow your rules. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do as, as you have invited me into this space. Yeah. Right. But the other that you said about being a guest, imagine someone and I want people to do this and take this with them. You invite someone to your home to stay overnight and they just started leaving with your shit. Like they're just like, yeah. and then you see, yes. and then you look at them and you're like, where's, where's Jimmy? And Jimmy <laughs> is selling your shit on eBay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a perfect analogy. He's like sh- selling your grandmother's China. Like he took it I out of the it. hut. With, I, he was there as a guest. He took it out of the hutch, grandmother's China without asking left and then was profiting from it that's an exact I, 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 analogy it's, it's ridiculous because i once had someone i gave someone's i gave someone something and then they turned around and sold it and i was like and they were like oh i'll take it that sounds great i love it and then they sold it and they didn't understand why i was upset by that but they were like but you gave it to me so why can't i sell it and i said i gave it to you because i thought you wanted it 
Yeah. You wanted it. If I wanted to sell it and make a profit, I would do that. But I also had to realize I had to let it go because I yeah. gave, I did give it to them. But, but why turn around and sell it? Cause I could have, I, I actually am a person who does not like um, reselling my clothing. I'd much rather give it away. I either want to give it away directly to people who can use it. Right. Who yeah. may be uh, less privileged in this amount of privilege that I have or to friends. I want to see it put to use. I want to, I want you to be joyful and get it. I'm, I don't, so I don't resell clothes. I just, I, I've done it like once or twice, but I've, I just, don't, I didn't, I never liked it, but I, that has like a really deep personal meaning for you. No, and for me, that yeah. I just, for me, it was, I just like to give it so people can enjoy it, especially if it's, a, yeah. if you can do it, but imagine you invite, invite I'm, I'm going to come stay over Mel's house. Even in, in, I'm a passerby, right? Like a lot of people do this. They're like, oh, so-and-so's in town. I know so-and-so there. She can stay with this person. And you, yeah. I, you, I go, you invite me into your home. You feed me dinner, whatever. And then I start leaving with your shit. Yeah, I don't. And I'm I would be it. real mad about that. Or I give you a gift and you sell it. And that's or, not what it was for. Or also like, but like people had been coming and stealing my shit for 400 years. <laughs> like- and like and I invite and you, you in this time. Yeah, you yeah. can come. And like so much. Wow. Yeah. And then and then like to be like, oh well, maybe Tyshell's different. Maybe she won't steal my shit. Maybe she actually is my friend and she actually does care about me. And nope, she's just like all the rest of them. Like she's, you know, like how how many times does that have to happen to like break your faith in humanity? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I wanted to, so I just thought that was a really good analogy for yeah, storytelling. It's a perfect so, analogy. I feel like we talk a lot about when we talk about social justice, there's so many, so many ways to draw analogies to a house. It's so funny yeah. to a house and, and all of those things. But I want to end on a, on a spoiler alert, spoiler in five, four. Wait, three. spoiler for what though? We, we, it's like give people a. Talk about Hocus, Hocus Pocus just a little bit. The Have you watched one? it yet? Yes. No, I haven't you seen the new one yet. Okay, so, so I won't give you too, too many spoilers. But if okay. you are a person who hates spoilers and I am not. You could tell me the entire you, movie. Wait, what? You could tell <laughs> me the entire movie. I, I want to watch it more. I love trailers. I love spoilers. And people are like, you love spoilers. I spoiled something for somebody once and they started yelling. They were like angry with me. I you could, I will re read the entire Wikipedia page, usually. I will say I'm a sitcom person, so movie spoiling doesn't bother me. Okay. But spoiling, like I watch it. I was watching a new show the other day and I didn't want to know who the winner it was a competition show and i was like i can't look at any social media because if i do i'm gonna know who this winner is anyway so mm. i try not to spoil people but and so i won't give too many spoilers hopefully it'll just make you want to go see hocus pocus soon now there have been like some criticisms that the plot is just not too dynamic but who cares it's 29 years later 29 <laughs> years later that miller is 75 he's still incredible kathy the jimney is 64 64 and Sarah Jessica Parker is 53 54 something like that they're in those age ranges and they did this movie when they were in their 30s 40s and 50s or whatever or 20s 30s and 40s it's 29 years later they all, and it's just as amazing and even more inclusive than it was back then and dynamic and there's this one scene it's one scene where they go into a Walgreens because they've never been into a Walgreens. They don't know what this is because even 30 years ago, there weren't that many and they didn't show any in the movie. 
and and uh, they you know they eat children's souls because that's the whole premise of being this these these uh which is on hocus pocus specifically, and uh they and they and they do a so it's a it's a sequel and a prequel because they talk about why um these things happen it kind of talks about how witches are not a bad thing but they were trying to make somebody get married and they didn't want to do that and they were cast out from their community so it's a really interesting in that in that way and they had a 12 year old play these roles but um they go into this walgreens and they're supposed to eat children's souls and they, they look at this cream on the shelf that says anti-aging and they think that it has children's souls in it so they're just eating pouring uh like retinol in their in their mouth so it's funny but the movie itself is just such a, a cute what, movie what made you think so, of it in this conversation was like oh because it's about halloween oh okay great yes wonderful i great, love halloween. halloween movie and they they go to a they go and they see people dressed up as them and they're like you're terrible and then they see like this one man dressed up as, as kathy the jimney and she's like we are sexy or we're bitch. It is so, it's such a great movie. So if you haven't watched it, it's on Disney plus and it's 30, almost 30 years to the okay, day. I'm going to watch it. I didn't know it was on Disney plus. That's awesome. I'm going to watch it. Hey, so quick question. Can I post a picture of my Maleficent costume on our Instagram story? Uh, yeah. Okay, great. You have to now. That's what you gotta do. So you don't have to ask me. I want to see it. So okay, great. Yeah. I wanted to end on a little bit of a lighter note and also understanding yeah. that people think about, they talk about Salem and witches and all of these different things. And, yeah. and I know that that comes across for a lot of different people and what we think about as witches. So I love that they put a little bit of a prequel mm. and a sequel to like why they were cast out and why this thing happened. But, yeah. Um, so it's not, it's, it's just fanciful in that, you know, it's not a, it, yeah. har hopefully it's not a harmful story for anyone. It's just a cute thing things are more fun when no one's getting hurt like can we just do stuff we would just have a good time and like have fun and just not hurt each other like that's way also, better also recognize that something that hurts someone may not hurt someone else but yeah. i still want to hurt the least amount of people hurt the least amount of people. that's a great like don't be a dick it's <laughs> a good way to live happy halloween don't be a dick like, <laughs> all this show don't be a dick Exactly. Um, I, I, I am just so happy to have this conversation with you yeah. all for people to engage and and I can't wait to see people's Halloween costumes. Maybe we'll post some non uh, culturally appropriate Halloween costumes yeah, or there whatever. You go. I'm not gonna dress up. Uh, but oh, and I wanted to say this next week because I know we talked about Mel was gone last week, last two weeks ago when we our last episode and we hit our one year mark two weeks ago Ooh. and. So but we're ending season two next week. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's Finale. two seasons. Mm -hmm. So we've gone to, this our, that's our 20th episode. We've hit a year that we've been doing the show. We'll have two of our producers on um, talking about decentering uh, heteronormativity and hearing about them and their story just in general as a part of the LGBTQIA plus community and just meeting our new two new producers as well. And we'll do a little bit of celebration for the end of season two and leave it off with asking you all, like, what are some things that you'd like to see us talk about for season three when we figure out when we'll come back for season three after the holidays, of course, all the holidays that come up. Um, but I'm just so uh, grateful and excited for the people who are here for you, Mel, and and moving this podcast from our thought process to fruition. So I can't wait to celebrate next week with our two producers. I'm so proud of us. Like this is a totally grassroots movement. We don't have funding. We're all volunteers. We're all doing this because we're 
purely passionate about not only the subject matter, but honestly, creating a community. Mm -hmm. A community. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, a, this is a community that we're creating. It, not just us and the producers, but, um, you know, other people that we get to have these conversations with. And it's just, it's such we're a joy. We're to have so many guests come and talk to us yeah. about this. We, we're going to yeah. start reminiscing. Let's do it next yeah. week. But it's just okay, okay, okay. great. Yeah. Uh, the community and keep building because you know so a lot of podcasts do a first season and they never do a second because it's a lot of work i know a lot of time and then you're like oh that podcast was so good so we will be back for season three so um i heard love to hear from i heard like 90 percent of some ridiculously high number of podcasts never make it past like 14 episodes or something you like know that. how many podcasts i was listening to i was like this this is gonna be a good podcast and, and then there's then never another episode i know i know so go us yay um so yeah, next week with Joe and Ben, it's going to be a great conversation. And we'll no, 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 darling and Ben. Darling oh, Ben, that's right. Joe is already last, oh, last season. Here. That's right. Yeah, we probably and she's hopefully we'll have we'll have her back on because she is. Uh, I love being able to talk to her and get her perspective, even her perspective on blackness and how ours are different because she is first gen. She immigrated to this country. We talked about white gays before. Just so many different things. Anyhow, that's a great, that's, uh, the season finale of last a uh, last um, week yeah. here last season yeah we decided that we love talking to our producers so much and they have such wonderful things to say we're like why don't we just make it a tradition that our last season art episode is going to be with their producers because they're awesome so yeah we're looking forward to that um any last words tyshell about the no i mean just go out be, have fun don't be a dick <laughs> that's, be that's a the dick. new motto for the show have fun don't be a dick I have, um, my um i have friends who they they wanted to make that a family rule in their house but they have like kids that are like in middle school who are like uncomfortable with saying the word dick so they changed it to duck so like don't be a duck that's their family motto <laughs> Me and my husband have been talking about working on a handshake, and he's like, I'm not good at this. And I'm like, That's but so I want to learn a handshake, and we got to figure it out before you have kids. I want to learn a family, a family handshake. handshake. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, I want to see. We're going to post a video, of, if you want to share a video of that on the Instagram story when you have it. Right, we want it out that we don't like. I don't want to be weird, and then we go to high five, and we miss. <laughs> and then we just look like bigger dorks. So, anyhow. No. Anyhow, we will see you all in mm -hmm. two weeks. See you soon. Bye. Bye.